to It's Okay to Be Gay, the podcast. Wait. Well. Are we just going to start? I don't know. Start what? <laughs> Hold on. Oh, my God. Start what? The, pod- the podcast? The, yeah. Are we starting the podcast right now, David? <laughs> are we on? Is are we thing, on? Is this thing on? Are we recording? Oh. Are we here? Okay. <laughs> can you hear me? Hey, I can. <laughs> So, David, I do have, I don't know if I told you, I did purchase that microphone. So, hopefully the oh. audio uh, next next time we're on is going to sound a little little improved. Very cool. I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, that'd be fun. So, wait, was that the intro or should we start now? Sure. I <laughs> think it would be great, honestly. <laughs> wait, is this thing on? Are we recording? <laughs> Are we? Are we on live? Are we on? Hello? Are you listening? <laughs> Hello? Hello? <laughs> um, Welcome to the It's Okay to Be Gay podcast. We're so glad that you are joining us again, hopefully again, and this is not the first time. But if it is the first time, believe you me, you are going to enjoy your time here because we have a amazing guest joining us uh, very shortly on our show, a good friend of mine from back in the day. So super stoked that he's able to be here. Veronica, how are you doing? I am doing pretty darn good. How are you, Mr. David? I'm good. It was a productive weekend. I think I got a lot of stuff done. We got a little rain today, so that was nice. And hmm. yeah, life is life is good. It's good. I was totally not productive this weekend, but that's okay. Oh, that's okay. I took the production side of things took all it on me. Right out from under me. That's, That's okay. That's so fine. next weekend, you can do your Sounds productivity. Good. I'll save it for next week. There weekend. you go. That would be fantastic. <laughs> so our guest today is one of my good friends from my time in seminary, which just a small backstory, we might tap on this again, but I was in seminary for the Diocese of Dallas for two years, had a great time there. And this is a young man that I met while I was in seminary and very influential in motivating me to actually create this podcast. Excellent. Can't wait to meet him. Can I just say seminary sounds so much semen. Seminary. Seminary. Like (laughs) there has to be, like what what is the background of seminary? Because it sounds so much like seminary. It looks like seminary. I mean- Dictionary. Webster's Dictionary. All I can think of is seminal fluid when you say it. An environment in which something originates and from which it is propagated. Quote, unquote, Merriam-Webster Dictionary. You're welcome. Wow. And the etymology, it is from Middle English, from seabed, nursery, from the Latin seminarium, from semen or from semen seed. Uh, so yeah, something that in which something originates. Um, so yeah, is like that where people, they got it for seminary school? Yeah, exactly. It is. You know, people are created from semen. From it's seed. legit named after jizz. It is. Wow. There you go. Now you know. Holy <laughs> shit. All right. So let's just dive right in, folks. So glad you're tuning in to the It's Okay to Be Gay podcast. This is Veronica Witt. And this is Mr. David Van Etten-Witt. Thank you, Veronica. And our guest this week is one of my great friends who I met when I was in seminary. 
And Spencer and I have kept in touch a little bit over the last many years, and I'm so grateful that you are able to join us. So welcome to the It's Okay to Be Gay podcast, Spencer. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a a pleasure to be here. This is really special what y'all are doing, so I'm just glad to be a part of it. Yeah, and I I initially reached out to Spencer because he runs a a podcast of his own uh, with some of his friends uh, when I was trying to brainstorm and actually unwrap, like, how to manage a podcast or how to create a podcast or what to do. Uh, so Spencer was actually very influential in <laughs> guiding me through like, Hey, here's what we use and here's how we do that and everything else. So I really appreciate uh, you first of all, as a person in general, but also the the time and energies that you spent with me chatting about this whole concept and guiding me towards where we are right now, which is uh, incredible. So thank Good. you for being that, uh, resource for me when I needed definitely somebody, so. I would have been no help so I appreciate your <laughs> there. Yeah, oh happy yes. to help yeah I'm glad and I'm glad it's working a little bit so that's cool yeah yeah we are we are well into things and I'm very excited to be able to continue to have so many incredible people on our show so thanks for carving out some time today to share a little bit about yourself and your story with our listeners and so that's where I wanted to jump right in with uh, just letting you have an opportunity to talk a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background and where you're from and how you grew up. So enlighten us to your yourself and just give us some details, man. For sure. Um, I grew up, I was the oldest of five siblings and we grew up in Houston, Texas. Um, So yeah, we grew up real, real Catholic, you know, so um, I noticed one of your questions was like, what is, who would you look up to? So I looked up to a lot of priests, um, a lot of clergy. I remember one time a bishop was like, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be the Pope. So <laughs> like, this was me at like eight years old. It could still happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, happen. it's still yeah. time. You know? Shoot for the stars, like shoot for, <laughs> for the Vatican, man. Shoot for the Vatican. That's what the goal still is, you know? Yeah, you that's pull the, your name out of the hat. Like, who knows? You know? Oh yeah, yeah. The rules. Are, let me tell you, the rules will change if I get up, get up to the top. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's going to be a little different. <laughs> so funny. Um. So yeah, man, that was uh, you know, and then going to private school my with my siblings and stuff. Um, yeah. How what, were your what? parents? Were your parents? Um. I mean, everyone's on a spectrum, right? Of how right. how I mean, some some people are very outspoken about um kind of their non-acceptance of certain people whereas you know some people are just much more well that's just who they are and we just accept people for what they you know how were your parents or are they outwardly one way or the other or kind of not sometimes it's also hard to tell i feel like yeah it is hard to tell sometimes with them you know when i was really young um they um I, you know, I was caught watching porn, right? Like, you know, uh, and, and like, I remember, I remember I went to my dad and said, dad, I was only looking at the girls, right? Like, you know, and uh, (laughs) he was like, he was like, that's because, yeah, it was, well, and and my dad goes, well, that's because you're, you know, you're ordered correctly, you know? Um, So that just to give you all a sense of kind of, I mean, yes, they, they love gay people. Like I know my parents, you know, they, they respect, they appreciate love, but they do see it still, you know, as a sin, as disorderly. Um, so, I mean, in in growing up, I, I did feel straight, you know, growing up as a kid, I Mm -hmm. I didn't really, I I always thought men were beautiful and stuff. I never really 
but it wasn't like I really felt something more than just that kind of general attraction. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and as far as eroticism was concerned, um, yeah, it was, it was girls at that age, you know, from a young age. Um, uh, yeah, so, so, you, so you grew up very Catholic and very conservative. Catholic. It sounds like, oh, yeah. but uh, oh, yeah. and so uh, we've heard a couple of different people who have come from super ultra conservative backgrounds and their upbringing and their parents were always like just real respectful of right. anybody who were the, their backgrounds were from. And then some people were like, uh, no, yeah, my, my mom always talked about like gay people, like they were the, the devil, you know, so it, it mm-hmm. kind of goes both ways. So I think that's where Veronica was trying to figure out, like, what was, were your parents more like, hey, everybody's just who they are, or was it? Ooh, ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I think they just kind of blew that question off in general. Sure. It only came up in those kind of moments, you know? Yeah. Um, they never really talked about it, but we had no exposure to gay people. I mean, yeah, we were all that's... in Catholic private school. I mean, they had yeah. no, I think if it had come up, they would have certainly blushed, been very uncomfortable around gay people, yeah. very... Um, they would have tried to tell us, Hey, these people, they're poor sinners, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they don't, they don't understand that what they're doing is wrong and it's unnatural, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would have been said if it had been anything we were exposed to. Yeah. If that so, makes sense. Uh, yeah, for sure. And so it sounds like you kind of grew up where there like, was that, that mindset that there was something intrinsically wrong with yes. being gay. It wasn't the normal 100%. thing. It wasn't right. okay to be gay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like a yeah. great idea for podcasts. Let's, let's run with that. This is why this podcast exists because so many people yes. think that way. You know? Yeah, so, exactly. Um, uh, all right. So very interesting. So yeah. grade school, all, all into, uh, through Catholic school down in the Houston area and yeah. initially your mindset was that you were wired correctly. So I was wired, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, not to say I didn't find like, I don't even know, maybe I was gayer back then too. And I just, you know, I didn't know what it was or something right. or it's possible. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just from the memory I have right now, I just remember that wasn't really on my mind. Like it, it and, and possibly yeah. because of exposure to different things. I mean, and sometimes I even think about in, in terms of um, career, like I wonder if I had been exposed to actors and comedians, would I have, would the priesthood have still been the number one interest for me at the time? I don't know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, Chuck, um, I feel like the exposure thing is kind of a, a, a common thread that we're yeah. hearing. You know, there's a lot of people who on top of being in the conservative, um, you know, environment in, in growing up on top of that, you know, small schools and small towns that there probably were no people or maybe one person (laughs) that you knew who was gay. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, uh, you weren't exposed to it. You didn't. And it's crazy. I mean, we were in this big, massive 4 million people city of Houston and, and we, but we, we lived as if we were in a small town. You know, I saw the same people went to church with the same people, just the (laughs) same I mean, and yes, my parents did a great job of taking us on vacation and stuff, and we'd go out and do fun stuff. But uh, yeah, we yeah. were real sheltered as far as what, you know, right. the TV and the music and different things. So sure. uh, yeah, to this day, people ask me, oh, you grew up in the 90s. Do you know this song or that, you know, show? Or I'm like, no, I didn't watch The Simpsons, didn't, you know? Yeah. Um, luckily, I got my hands on Harry Potter. You know, they weren't that crazy <laughs> where I couldn't do that. But um, Perfect. Oh, those yeah. are great, great memories. Harry- 
Harry Potter, Dungeons and Dragons, all those were um, things <laughs> that were in some households were outlawed. Um, exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't yeah, it was that just, far. Far yeah. off the spectrum. Okay, there. that's good. Yeah, so it wasn't it, crazy like we hate gay people. It wasn't like yeah. It was just a yeah. general discomfort, I would say. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Which totally makes sense. And so then into your like adolescent and maybe early like I mean later teen, maybe early like college days, what were you doing? Where did you go from Catholic grade school to after? Uh, I had um, a lot of exposure to the Legionaries of Christ, um, a, a religious order. So. When I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, I was in eighth grade, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we finished out in eighth grade in Houston, and then we homeschooled for a little bit up in, in Tulsa. But then I was really tired of being at home. Mm-hmm. I was really not getting along. This is my memory. I mean, from of that time, like it could my memory now sure. could be way off for all I know. Sure. <laughs> I just remember like hating family life and, and the Legion was a way out. It was a boarding school up in New Hampshire, right? With mm-hmm. a bunch of guys. Um, and, and they were praying really hard. They were playing really hard. It was so enticing to me that lifestyle and we would be in community and just be having fun all the time. That was my vision of it going into it. And so mm-hmm. my parents in ninth grade, they let me, and I think it was 2005. Yeah. They let me go out to New Hampshire to start school for ninth grade. So my high school years were all there. Um, and then call, you know, I guess that's college 2008. I graduated high school and then, um, yeah, we went to Connecticut for novitiate. So it's not really college. You get a couple college credits with languages and stuff, but most of cool. novitiate with the two years of novitiate were like, Latin, Greek, learning the constitutions of the religious order. Uh, All so, stuff. yeah, <laughs> a lot of silence, a lot of prayer, a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, some of the worst years, those two years are the worst years of my entire life. Hands Why? Down. No, this shit. Um, many reasons. Uh, you could have three phone calls home per year. Oh, uh, per so year? I was, yeah, wow. per year. So, and, Holy cow. So I was missing my family like crazy. The rules were, so high school was pretty fun. The rules were kind of, you know, they were there, but they weren't so oppressive. Like I could call Mm -hmm. my family once a week. I was still very homesick even, but I was a high school kid. I mean, and so that was difficult, but then in novitiate, it just went really high, you know? So you don't, you're not really forming relationships in novitiate because you're, you're literally quiet most of the day. There's about two 15 minute breaks and maybe a lunch or a dinner where you can talk to people. And wow. the rest of the day wow. you're in like pretty much absolute silence, uh, studying and praying and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was <laughs> Ronica, bad. Oh Ronica my God. Like, I last a week. <laughs> oh yeah. My first therapist, wow. my first therapist, when I got out of that, he was like that, lifestyle is so far outside of who you yeah. are as a person. Like I'm surprised you, you know, how you made it through. So wow. And how and long it was three years. You two years, that? two years into two this years. shit. Yeah. Wow. I was miserable, like tired Gosh. all the time. Cause we were, we were waking up at 5 AM and going to bed at like 10 every night, you know? Mm-hmm. So Yikes. you're not getting a lot of sleep in a, at a college age. Um, mm-hmm. And just the yeah. consistency of it. Every day was exactly the same. Every, oh. you know, even the fun activities were scheduled in advance. There was no spontaneity. Right. Um, so just, I mean, I had a, there was an ex-military guy that was in there and he's like, this is harder than the army because at least in the army, we had real breaks 
during mm-hmm. the day. This is just mm-hmm. nonstop. So wow. I did that. And, um, and on top of all of that, I fell in love with the fellow seminarian. There was another, yeah, he was just a beautiful person. I, any those 15 minute breaks, I was always trying to talk to him and like spend <laughs> time with him. And, um, I just, and, and I, I told my spiritual director, so I guess that's my coming out, but it felt more mm-hmm. like, like get help, like help me sure. not feel this way anymore. Cause this is wrong. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, and I think I just, it's interesting to think about what I felt, but I, I think if he had said it's normal, it would have been a very different experience. Mm-hmm. But the, for the first two years I was, he was told, just pray about it. It'll go away. Mm-hmm. That was the guidance I received. Um, it didn't. And I, I remember crying myself to sleep thinking there was something wrong with me. Cause I had never felt these kind of feelings before. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought like, this is not natural, even though, I mean, it felt amazing. Like talking to him felt so incredible and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, um, we had, so when we had did a lot you, of, when did you kind of, um, when did you realize you were kind of in love with, with this person? And <sighs> was it early on in the, I think it, it was like a it was gradual, kind of well, not in high school. In high school, I just thought he was cool. Like I, I didn't because we were in high school together. But uh, yeah, novitiate. Um, I don't know. Something clicked, I guess, and mm-hmm. I just started seeing him differently. I wasn't. I don't remember it ever feeling sexual. I mean, it might have yeah. been something, but it could have been sexual, and I just never opened myself up to that part of myself, sure. you know. But I definitely felt this like I want to spend all my time with him. I want to, you know. I would love to hold his hand even, or I, I just mm-hmm. want his company, yeah. you know? That's exactly um, how love feels. Yeah. yeah. Just and it's a beautiful thing. Want to be yeah. with that person. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, and it was, I mean, it, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing, but, and it, but it just felt wrong for those couple of years. So I was in hell, you know, those two mm-hmm. years really sucked. Um, so, we're, so, after, so after you were done, I guess, with the, um, legionaries of Christ. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I know you didn't come to uh, the seminary that I was at as a legionary. Uh, you right. were with the, the Diocese of Tulsa at that time. So what was that transition like for you leaving the legionaries and coming, still pursuing a religious life, just in a different, within a, a different group? Um, and yeah. I just want to give like a two second kind of clarification oh, too yeah, for yeah. the yeah, people yeah. who might not be so familiar with uh, Catholic, um, good idea. You know, the, yeah. the, 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 the priesthood or the you know, seminary, yeah. or like, what is this? Yeah. What is he talking about? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have so no idea. It, so yeah, so it, it, this is like the, the thirty-second version of this. So in the Catholic Church, our our pastors, our leaders of our, our parishes, are ordained priests, uh, single men who have committed themselves to living uh, their life to in service of the, the Catholic Church. And to become a priest uh, in any major city, there is what's called the diocese, uh, like the Diocese of Dallas, the Diocese of Philadelphia, the Diocese of Madison, whatever. Uh, and within those dioceses, there are different churches, and those churches are led by their priests. So people who live in certain cities and certain areas who want to become a priest and who want to serve the church in that capacity have to go through anywhere from six to nine years of, of formation until they are able to be ordained and then and work in their church. And so in the diocesan setting, in the, like the city setting, that is how that structure looks. Uh, also within the church, there's a, a dozens and dozens of different religious orders or religious groups. Probably one of the best known ones are the Jesuits, maybe the Franciscans. People might have heard of the Benedictines. 
uh, each of those religious orders, uh, organizations have their own kind of um, niche. Some of them focus on public speaking, some of them focus on education, some of them focus on healthcare. And so depending on what order you're part of, they also have their brothers, their monks, their priests, their abbots, their bishops or whatever. Uh, and so the Legionaries of Christ is a an order within the Catholic Church. Um, and then where, where Spencer and I met were in diocesan seminary. So both he and I were in seminary to be a priest at a normal run-of-the-mill church that you find in the middle of your whatever city. Um, right. So, yeah, so you left the order of the Legionaries of Christ and yes. moved into the diocesan uh, formation system with the Diocese of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So yeah. just to catch everybody up, we're all on the same page now. <laughs> Continue. If you still have questions, uh, Google is your friend. Okay. Oh, anyway, yeah, for sure. Spencer, go on. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. The, the transition was interesting. So, like, I remember I, I had my first home visit after I professed temporary vows with the Legion. Like, after novitiate, mm -hmm. I, I went through that. And uh, my first home visit, my parents brought me to this monk. Uh, he was a Benedictine. And he sat me down and we just talked and he said, Hey, so are you okay? And I told him all my struggles, all the, I think I told him even about the other seminarian I was in love with, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, you don't have to go back. Right. And I was mm -hmm. like, that was the first time I'd even considered that just thought like, that yeah, was even an option. That, I, Cause I an thought, I, I thought, that? no, I was like, I was so <laughs> brainwashed, I guess that I yeah. thought, no, to follow God and be a good person. And you know, I got to go back. I, I have to keep suffering. This is the path to, happiness, you know, right, or to, right. to heaven, at least, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I ended up not going back and uh, got dispensed from those vows and got in touch. I still wanted to be a priest though, like you said, and I, I still felt like I still want to help people. I still want to, you know, do something inspiring or whatever. So I got in touch with the Bishop of Tulsa and he, I think he was really cool. He recognized like, okay, this guy's had like, since high school, he's had no exposure to like the real world. So yeah. U UD was um, his, he agreed to let me go to, because there was another option. There was Conception Seminary up in Kansas where it's just men, you know, it's just a typical yeah. seminary. He's like, okay, you need something like more like real college. So uh, that was the beauty of going to UD. And honestly, at UD, I learned more swearing, more inappropriate humor than I've ever heard since or before. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if people say like it was oh, night and day as far as seminaries go, I mean, I could, I had a cell phone. I could call my family anytime it was. And I remember like asking permission from like, whoever was in charge to do things like I used to in the religious order. Like you don't have to do any of that here. Like, yeah. I mean, just go. And it, it was fun. It was, like I actually really fun. enjoyed the seminary. Independence. Life. It was pretty late. Independence. Back. Yeah. It was I mean, really it was a lot. There was I was playing a video games too to much, do. but it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot we had to do. Like, yeah. you got to be up at six o'clock to go to daily, you know, daily right. mass or whatever. And then you, and you got to attend go classes. To your, right. And you have to go to your classes, but outside of that and then dinner and then night, prayer, right. Or evening. Right. But outside of that, like all of your time is your own and do what it, do with it as you please. I spent a lot yeah. of it napping. Um, yeah, me too. I was, <laughs> I, I was kind of depressed in that time. I took I was two naps a day. Yeah. It was great. I think anyway. I was very confused during that year. I, I wish I could go back mm. and relive it now because I think I would have enjoyed it more. I think I was still in a place yeah. of like something feels off, but of course, how would it feel? It was how new. would it not feel off? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that it's was new to you. It's like, right. yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And funny, and funny enough, at that time, 
during that one year I was at in, in, in seminary, I fell in love with a girl. Um, she was in my class and we just, she had a boyfriend, I think, but in a different school, like he was in a different school. So she would, she would go walk, she would take walks with me holding hands, like throughout the campus and stuff. I think I I remember that, Spencer. I saw this? No, no, I like, I, I heard about it from from somebody and I might've been one of the other guys and brothers. But I remember like you spending so much time, you like the so much time. You know, so much time man. with her. Yeah. Ladies man, you know? Oh yeah. And it was just very interesting. And of course, like anybody <laughs> who thinks that like, so if you go to a Catholic university and you throw in a, a bucket of like 20 seminarians into a, a room, every woman on campus is just immediately attracted to those yes. seminarians for what, and not even the cute ones, like and whatever. I think, I think the women, I think the women see so somebody funny. who's like, I've always wondered what's this attraction to seminarians that a lot of women experience. I think it's like, my opinion is they see someone willing to commit to something with their whole hearts. Uh-huh. And they're like, that's like, oh, I, I'd love a man to commit to me like that. Maybe that, that's my theory. <laughs> that is we probably have 100% here. Can, yeah. Yeah, she's like, correct. <laughs> that is literally the brass ring, all what you want. So of course, yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't you look at that? Like, damn, that guy commits like no one's right. business. Right. God, I wish. <laughs> it, it was really funny to see like all the like freshman and sophomore girls fawning over the freshman and sophomore, and even so you know, some of the junior, uh, you know, seminarians or whatever. Me as a pre-theologian, I was you know in my mid twenties when I was in seminary, and so none of the you know freshman sophomore girls were interested in, in me, of course, because I was too old for them. But yeah, it was, it was you don't really know funny. that. You don't know that. Uh, that's that's, true. Say, that's, true. that's true. Um, Some David. girls love older men, so that's right. true. probably true. But yeah. I never heard of them. Right so here. It's fine. <laughs> I never heard of them. Right so here. It's, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but whatever case was. But no, it's you know, it's really funny because they're just so interested in these guys who are other like way to being single forever and becoming a priest and all these girls yeah. are like ooh la la. It's just, it's, it was really so funny. To, like, it's that like, oh, I can't happen. have it. I, I want mm-hmm. it now. Yeah, yeah. I think there is a small part of that too, though, that it, seminarians, it, for the most part, are probably going to continue on with formation and, you know, go graduate and whatever else, and maybe at some point fall out of seminary. But for the most part, uh, for those girls, it's like they're safe, you know, they're safe friends. Yeah. They, they're, yeah. they're not looking for somebody to you know be committed with and that those younger yeah. college girls can like share themselves with those people and not have to worry about it becoming a thing and there's like no drama right. so i don't know but i, I think that's know. it true sounds too. like it could be a challenge for me too that's funny but no Spencer, i remember word. so i remember knowing that you were like ladies man and had you know girls who liked you this one particular whatever else and then when you were getting ready to leave seminary, uh, and well, you, you weren't leaving seminary, you, you were finishing that year, but you were moving on, you weren't coming back after the after the year. And I, I remember your, your dad came up and was there for a little while, and it was, I guess, maybe towards the end of the semester, and you guys were kind of shopping around for schools and, you know, deciding where you to go next. And I was in the computer lab and with, with you guys, you, you and your dad were there and there's some other people milling around, I'm sure. And I remember seeing there was like a pad of paper 
uh, that you guys had like written all these notes down and everything else. And I wasn't like reading it, but it was there. I looked, I saw it was there and I went on my merry little way. And one of the things I noticed was like under clubs and organizations, like LGBTQ, like was on the, and I was like, I was like, oh, I was like, what? I was like, why would Spencer and his dad be looking at universities and then like have it like uh, LGBTQ, like as, as one of the things that they were, I was like, oh, Spencer gay? It makes me wonder if my dad didn't know what that like, meant. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. honestly, I don't know. like okay. that is so I mean, interesting. Like, I I remember seeing it, so I know it was there. And maybe it wasn't <laughs> something that you knew or thought about. Maybe it was your writing, and you put it down there accidentally. I don't know, but I remember seeing that there, that and then so thinking funny. to myself, like, no, Spencer's like borderline has a girlfriend. It was pretty interesting. Oh my um, gosh. That's great. Yeah. Can, so, can I go, can I go back? I don't remember though, that at all, by the way. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, no, I mean, that's I, even funnier. It's ingrained in my mind. Like I remember vividly, like your dad, <laughs> you, the notepad. the notepad. I don't remember any, I don't remember anything else on in there. The, in the, in I'm the dining sure, room. I'm pretty sure it was like, it, it, on the also like you'd written the University of Oklahoma as a potential option. I was like, yeah, that was my undergrad. Like you should definitely check that out. And then I noticed like LGBT like club, or, and I was just like, what? <laughs> it was very confusing. That is so funny. But, yeah, and then I was like, oh, that makes sense. He's always like, <laughs> like hair like polished, always super yes. sharply dressed. I was always. Like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't at the time judgmental i was like oh good for him like, i could see that yeah, yeah. anyway so, so can we go back to maybe like when so you you felt the feelings for um for the man you did when you were yeah. um there but when like when did you maybe start feeling that you had was that the first time you noticed that you kind of had an attraction to men or you felt yeah. something for men or was it before that I mean, I think I always found men pretty. I remember, um, yeah. like, I would draw Jesus a lot, like his face. I remember as a kid, I would draw his face a lot, you know. Um, yeah. So, I, I, but it it was never anything I considered as like a like a like more than just like a wow, he's beautiful. Like, never. It mm -hmm. was never like a oh, this is someone I you know desire like you yeah know, in a different kind of way like the romantic way so i think with that seminarian was the first time i felt that desire on top of the attraction you know mm -hmm. so it was another yeah it was another level that i just hadn't experienced before yeah so otherwise pretty like you said pretty <laughs> straightly wired yeah pretty straight <laughs> up till then yeah okay yeah so so walk us through kind of what happened yeah. Next, where was the, hey, I think I'm actually maybe part of the LGBTQ community. Like, what does this look like? Yeah. Why have I wondered about this? Or, like, obviously, you had the love feeling for the person, but I don't, yeah, so. 100%, yeah. I, uh, so, yeah, seeing that girl and everything in, in um, as, at University of Dallas was like, Okay. And it, it made, it almost made me think, oh, that time in college, I was just into that seminarian or sorry, that time in novitiate, I was just into him because there weren't girls around. I almost kind of had that theory in the back of my head at that mm -hmm. point. And then I go to college at St. Gregory's and there's this really attractive baseball player. And I kind of had some of the same feelings again. Um, and I mean, I was just way too shy 
to really kind of explore any of that, you know? So sure. I continued being a ladies man throughout St. Gregory's. Um, but yeah, then it kind of became like, a. I think I need to explore men more, more like a, like this is something. So then, you know, I'm a youth pastor. I lose my virginity at some point in there t- to some girl. Um, it's like a one night stand. Mm-hmm. She was older. She helped me understand the ways of how that works. Uh, <laughs> very, uh, this is where yeah, this very goes. Nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh, wait, this is, uh, yeah. So, I mean, thanks. Shout out to her for, uh, you know, uh, you so then, you know, kind of, man, honestly, when I was a youth pastor, I, I was, uh, I, I was kicking a soccer ball around in my third year as a youth pastor. I was like, I feel like I want to explore men more. I feel like I, I feel like I think that maybe the Bible was, is maybe not a hundred percent accurate. I, I, I literally left Catholicism. I was about to go back into seminary. I, I swear wow. I was literally in my third year as a youth pastor. I was, I had already gone through five interviews. All I had to do was interview the Bishop again. And, uh, yeah, that, and, and I called the vocation director after kicking the soccer ball. And I was like, I think I'm, I think I'm not doing this. And also like, I don't think I'm Catholic. So I had to go to my pastor as a youth pastor. Be like, <laughs> Hey, I don't think I could keep being your youth pastor. I think I'm, I don't think I'm Catholic anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like yeah. this is really my thing. Um, so yeah. like then, so I start working of course in the corporate world and I start exploring men more and more. Um, and so I'm just going to, I don't, so, you know, I've, I feel like even to this day, I'm still kind of like, what am I, you know? Mm-hmm. So like I've explored men in many ways, um, in the bedroom and so to speak, but I've, I guess I've never tried dating a man. Um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, the experiences that I've had up till now with several, you know, several encounters that have not been pleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of makes me feel like, and, and, you know, my, my, my therapist talk about this a lot. It's like, it's like, it's very possible that I fall deeply in love with men, mm-hmm. but just don't like them in that, you know, in maybe sure. in an erotic way it's, it's possible. So, I mean, I, I'm still open-minded and I, uh, consider myself a part of the community just because I'm still questioning and not fully mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I don't really identify myself. I, I call myself pansexual because I yeah. know I have feelings for men and women. There's no doubt in my mind about that. Yeah, of course. Um, and yeah, I'm open to any man changing my feelings on, uh, you know, those other kind of encounters, you know, email me, you know, I Instagram me. Yeah. I am a very open-minded person and, uh, you know, taking I applications think, now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, do I can vouch find... for Spencer. He's a great guy. Anybody would be lucky. Spencer, oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Sure this is going to be on my Tinder bio. I'm just going to put a link exactly. to this now. Yeah. Hey, just give up my number, okay? Yeah. Personal yeah. and professional <laughs> reference. Just go well, I, I, I think this is an interesting thing to talk about. I don't talk about this a lot because it, it is, I don't know if people talk a lot about the confusingness of it coming mm-hmm. off of the back kind of background I've had because, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times you'll be exploring men sexually and you're thinking, and you might have, you know, you might have discomfort or, or these different things. And it's hard to parse out, okay, what part of this is just, this isn't my thing versus, mm-hmm. versus the guilt. 
you know right right what oh, part of this is like shame this because, or, yes because yeah, it's not yeah. natural the, the scripts yeah. that you've been right planted in your head yes learning that this was wrong that this was wrong so and it feels so good but in the back of my mind like it's not okay right (laughs) right 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 right. so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i I think that is a very interesting thing to explore some more and uh, like i said i'm still exploring that i'm in therapy and stuff and um obviously for me being the intensive cultish you know world that i've been in for I, in my formative years, you know, in my younger years, I think that plays a big factor into why this is still kind of like a, you know, more of a question than, uh, than maybe yeah. for other people at, at my age, you know? So for sure. I, I was um, just thinking about this earlier, actually, because we were talking to someone else and I was realizing that like so few people like fall perfectly into one box or another and it was, I was talking to my friend who also had agreed to come on the podcast later. And I was like, well, where are you exactly in the, the color of things? Right. And the response was like, well, and I was like, you know, that's really not a fair question for a lot of people yeah. because there's so many variants that like come into play here. It's like, am I a hundred percent gay? Like yeah, I'm married to a man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I still find certain women absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. And there's that like little moment when I'm like, Oh, you know, like, this is, like, <laughs> wow. Like, right. like, right. Damn, like, good thing I'm married because, um, but, but I, I mean, I, I think spectrum, that I'm huh? bisexual, you know, by right. any means. Right. Um, but yeah, so like there's so many people feel certain degrees of like romantic attraction or erotic Mm -hmm. attraction or just the that need for like a person to be with and that physical touch and physical bond and emotional like connection and it's like you know and you don't and you can't tell until you until you meet someone you know i could in the next week meet a woman that all of a sudden (laughs) i you know i i don't know i do i feel like it is monica it's okay to be gay yeah no totally man you know, it, I feel like you don't know until until you experience it. And mm-hmm. and it's not like most people go out thinking like, I'm going to test to see if I'm gay. Right. right? You know, right. If, yeah. if you have an inkling in your brain that you maybe had some sort of feeling or attraction that maybe you felt was more than just being like, hey, that's a beautiful woman. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I kind of do the same thing and right. I'll be like, gosh, she's gorgeous. But yet in my brain, there's, there's no afterthought after that. And right, I would, right. maybe I'm yeah. making an assumption here, but I assume that maybe what kind of spurs it on is that there is maybe like an ellipsis after that being like, but is there more or <laughs> yes. a feeling yeah. like yeah, yeah, there's yeah, yeah, something yeah. more to, to that, that spurs you on to, to maybe uh, explore more. A hundred percent. Yeah. That is, that is interesting. You say it like that. And I think, you know, I, I mean, I've been diagnosed, this is going to be probably oversharing, but whatever. Uh, I have been diagnosed with OCD. So I have obsessive compulsive disorder about mm-hmm. specifically about this issue and also like my spirituality and stuff. I obsess a lot over the nature of the world, the nature of my sexuality, the nature of the universe. You know, I'm always trying to answer impossible questions. That's kind of my, 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 uh, my curse, mm-hmm. my, uh, yeah. but also I think it's kind of what in the positive sense, kind of what inspires me to keep being artistic and creative and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, 
uh, I feel like I had a point with this. Oh, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Um, to give you, I, maybe one day I'll be in the same space with this that I feel about my gender. Because when I think about my gender, I feel very feminine, right? Like I, I'm very, very emotional, very neurotic in some ways. And I feel very <laughs> feminine, you know, like, but never once has it like, crossed hey, my no. mind. Like I'm going to transition to be a woman. Like, yeah. I, I, would, right. I wish, I wish I had been born a woman. I think that'd be really cool Yeah. Uh, for, for some reasons, um, <laughs> yeah. not for others, but, uh, yeah. So it's like, maybe one day I'll have this kind of peace of mind where I can be like, Oh, you know, I have feelings for men and women, but I'm at peace with that now. And I, you know, I mm-hmm. look forward to having a love life at some point. I mean, I've had, you know, relationships and stuff, but, um, yeah. uh, yeah, I just, I haven't had anything that was that really, um, so, you know, I haven't been with somebody for a long period of time. I that's guess. what I was going to ask. Yeah. What about like, like even relationships with women? Have you had any sort of not even long-term, but you know, longish relationship? Yeah. I've had like, I think the tops was, I had a, like an on and off again thing for a couple of years back at, um, mm-hmm. back in Oklahoma. And then I, I got out of a three month, like four month thing, uh, kind of a sad ending, but, um, but that was probably the best one. I, f- I feel like with every relationship, I'm getting closer and closer to like this. <laughs> Me okay, too, this buddy. This is something positive, <laughs> you know, for my life, not something that f- sucks the life out of me. <laughs> you know uh, what I yeah. Mean? Like- <laughs> that is what we're all aiming for. Let me tell you. I want to hear y'all's stories. I-, I hope y'all have your own thing that you do like this where somebody, you interview each other because I, I want to hear your story so bad. Now. Maybe sometime. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to hear straight woman stories. I do. Oh. I do. I think there's an audience out there. I've already heard some of your story, and I'm like, I kind of want to hear more. That's <laughs> so funny. So. Uh, Spencer, it's okay to be straight, talking. too, by the way. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, however you were made, it's okay to be yeah. uh, Spencer, earlier when you were talking about you know, your, your identif- recognizing your, your gender, like, you know, there's parts of you that uh, seem very feminine and everything else, but, like, you're you have no doubt that you're a man. Uh, I'm comfortable as a male. Yes, yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, have you ever seen the movie? As For now. As... Who knows? Yeah, maybe yeah, in the future yeah. I'll... <laughs> I'll be spency <laughs> maybe in 10 years. Who knows? You there know? you go. We'll have <laughs> you back on and you can yeah. be sure. <laughs> Perfect. Have you ever seen the movie As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson? I've heard of it, yeah. but uh, I yeah, love Jack so... Nicholson. Now I have to see it. Yeah, no, it's one of my favorite movies. And, and he's a he's a writer um, in the movie, and so his character Melvin Udall uh, is very successful writer, but he's uh, has his own like OCD and you know all his disorders that he is living with. Yeah. And the, the movie is about how he ends up you know fa- falling in love, which was never part of his character. As you watch it, you're like, this guy's an absolute nut. Yeah. But he he runs into a woman in uh, the, his publisher's office, her, his publisher's office during the movie. And the woman is like, I love your work so much. Like, how do you write women so well? And, <laughs> and he says, he goes, well, I think of a man. And then I take away, he goes, I think of a man. And then I take away reason and accountability. <laughs> it's one of the best lines of any movie of Ouch. all time. But yeah, sorry, yeah. But when, when Spencer was talking about his like feminine qualities being so in touch with his emotions and everything else, it just made me think of that. Well, well, well.
Despite me being in the middle of a wonderful story about the movie As Good As It Gets, we did decide that this would be an excellent place to take a break and to end part one of Spencer's episode. The conversation continued on for a lot longer, and we were very excited to be able to turn this into a two-part episode. So be sure to tune in next week when we hear the conclusion of Spencer's conversation and the rest of his journey. The conversation is very intriguing, and you don't want to miss it. So we look forward to seeing you next week on the It's Okay to Be Gay podcast. On behalf of Spencer, Veronica, and myself, we appreciate you tuning in and listening thus far, and we look forward to sharing the rest of his story with you guys next week. We'll see you then. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.